Hello, and welcome back to Vox Popcast, the weekly pseudo-academic roundtable pop culture analysis with drinking and swearing. My name is Christopher Maverick, but you can call me Mav, and I am once again here with my co-hosts, Monica and Wayne. How's it going, guys? Hey, Mav. Hey, Mav. Hey. We are... I'm so tired. <laughs> oh, yeah. Everybody worked today. And Monica got here literally three seconds ago. Yeah. <laughs> oh, yeah. When I left work, everyone else was still at work. And you could tell that they were like, I wish I had yeah. a podcast to go record. Yeah. <laughs> yeah I, and I didn't, not to go into details because just I can't because I'm working in a law office. I had a really rough day with some pretty heavy stuff. So oh. let's talk about some fun things. Uh, well, I mean, I spent the day talking about Batman because yeah, I was here and that was that was my what I did. So it's <laughs> which which is actually rare that I actually get to talk about comics that, that, days in my classes. So I got it, I got to today. So yeah, was, that, that was most of my life for a long time. <laughs> <laughs> anyway, Monica, this is your topic. What are we doing today? Mav, we're going to talk about the critically acclaimed emoji movie. Oh God! Please don't! Please do not turn off. <laughs> that is not what we're doing. <laughs> well, kinda, kinda, not exactly. I um, mean, we made the joke that the reason we have never done an episode about emojis is because we've been a little bit afraid that people would remember the emoji movie and then go, "Oh God, no!" and then never give it maybe the analysis that it's worthy of and by that i don't mean the emoji movie i mean emojis, <laughs> emojis. so we are talking about emojis <laughs> okay awesome we wrote a blog about it i have a lot of thoughts about it but before we get into that we do have a guest because uh, none of us work with emojis in like our professional lives i, I it's kind of pseudo relevant to my work because i do a lot of work with semiotics but it's not exactly what i do and you know wayne does a lot of work with visual rhetoric but like like through comics, not exactly the same thing. Monica does. Mm -hmm. like it's none of us. So Monica, you brought somebody. Yeah, I did. I brought an emoji expert. Oh. who I will <laughs> let introduce themselves. I brought O.W. Petkoff. Well, hello, everybody. Hi. Expert. I'm becoming an expert, let's say. <laughs> so first of all, thank you all for having me on your podcast. Yeah, you're coming. This is, yeah. Yeah. Thanks for being here. Thank you. Anytime I get the opportunity to talk to people about emoji and they're not looking at me as if they're ready to put me in a straitjacket. The <laughs> <laughs> grown woman talking about emoji. How <laughs> but I am a third to fourth year PhD student in the technical communication rhetoric program at Texas Tech University. I also am a developmental reading and writing instructor at Tarrant County College in Arlington, Texas, Very where cool. I teach uh, remedial English, remedial reading and writing, and I also teach some first-year comp. And oh. so, yeah, that's where my emoji comes into play. I use it in the classroom. Oh, good. Because I, I went off on kind of a tangent in the blog, and I'm glad that someone else sees it that way, because we'll get to that in a moment. Thank um, you. I, so thanks for joining us. Now, Monica, you should tell the story. How did this happen? How did this episode happen? This episode happened because, as most of the <laughs> listeners know by now, we as hosts have a group chat in which we throw around ideas and... Sometimes tease it's each just other. recommendations, sometimes we're teasing each other, and it, it's very active. And I feel like maybe out of the group, I use the most emoji in my conversation, <laughs> but I specifically use uh, what I've come to realize is all of my emojis kind of mean the same thing. They mean some <laughs> version of like 
jokes on me or guilty as charged. But I didn't realize that by me using like the cheesy grinning smiley face or the upside down smiley face, not everyone was actually reading those to mean guilty as charged or haha jokes on me. And Mav was like, the only time I've ever seen this particular smiley face used was basically by someone who thought it was like a sexual innuendo. And I was like, Right. Whoops, no, this is the group chat <laughs> between the co-hosts. This is well, not okay, sexual so, To be fair, it wasn't the only time. I, I have a friend who very much uses that as her flirty emoji. Like, that's what she means by it, right? And from context, it was very clear that that's not what she meant. So right. I, it, it was more that I was like, what do you mean by that? Because I know someone who uses it constantly for her visual equivalent of that's what she said, right? Like, hey, of, right, you're uh, right, yeah. uh, I just said something that can be taken as a sex joke. Ha, ah, get it? See, see, see. Nod, wink, wink. Right, right. That's how she uses it. And, and like, you weren't using it that way. Clearly, like, there's no double meaning for what you were just saying. You were using it as, duh, I just did something stupid was what you were trying to say with it. And it was very clear. Yes. So I was like, why do you do that? And that got into this conversation about, you know, we all use emojis. Do we ever really know what other people mean by them? Yeah. And how did we learn to read them? Because they just sort of happened. Mm -hmm. yeah. Right. Because I feel like when I use that upside down smiley face, maybe in conversations that aren't our like group chat. Maybe mm -hmm. I'm using it alongside a friend who's also using it in a similar manner. Like yeah. I think mm -hmm. it's similar yeah. to the like the way that speech disfluencies are picked up in terms mm -hmm. of like if you have a friend who's always using like a phrase or a slang word and sometimes you notice that then you start using that phrase yeah. and slang mm -hmm. word. But yeah. I, and I, I so I think that emojis are functioning in the same way. But of mm -hmm. course, as someone who's never studied emoji and who's never really thought too much about what I'm using and why I'm using and how I chose that that was the meaning that I was assigning to it, I thought that was pretty interesting. And that's why we call it OW. <laughs> so that's why you're here. So does that sound pretty normal from your experience of what people do? You know, do people think that they're providing universal meaning to their emoji or do they not? Because what I'm going to argue when we get into this conversation is I've heard a lot of old people older mm -hmm. than us say, oh, well, you know, this is the downfall of society because, you know, kids, the, the kids with the texting and the weed and whatever, you know, <laughs> like whatever <laughs> old people say, like I've heard people say shit like that. And I don't mm -hmm. think it's actually new because I believe slang has always had this problem, right? Any kind yeah. of slang, yeah. it, that's how slang works. But also that's how language works. And I think people think they have universal meaning, but they never really do. And then mm -hmm. I, you know, I referenced the Why Can't Johnny Write article that was written in Newsweek in 1975 as to the downfall mm -hmm. of, the, which is the, the downfall of language because of television. And now, mm -hmm. you know, here we are in 2022 with people still saying this as though it were a new thing. Okay. Uh, so first and foremost, and I'm not offended, I'm probably one of those older people of which you speak. Oh, so it can't possibly be. When you're 37. Yeah, I'm, I'm ancient. And so to answer your question and, and be very uh, bureaucratic, everybody's right so far. Yes. Mm -hmm. Yes, that there, and that's part of my research, that emoji is kind of part of a discourse language in a discourse mm -hmm. community, but within that larger community or smaller communities. And so you're right. What emoji means to maybe one group, it doesn't mean the same thing to the other. So that they are universal, but then they're kind of not. Mm -hmm. Yeah. And I would argue that the weird thing is that's how language works in general. And I yeah, use I, uh, I agree. Yeah. Yeah. Right. 
And I used like John Bergeron and as my example, but there's a lot of semioticians who argue this. And the easiest way to understand that is, is if I say blue, if I say the color blue, mm-hmm. you have an idea in your head of what the color blue means. And it's probably a little different than yes. my version of the color blue. And it's a little mm-hmm. different than Wayne's. It's a little different than OW's. It's a little bit different than Monica's. Mm-hmm. As long as we're in roughly the same yeah. bluish area, it's okay. Until you ask somebody to pick out their crayon and, you know, or the color in Photoshop or whatever, and everybody draws it down. And then one guy is going to have a color that's just a little too green for my taste. And I'm going to mm-hmm. be like, that's yeah. not really blue. That's mm-hmm. kind of green. And then maybe they'll be like, no, this is blue. Your thing is actually purple. And that's, and that's, you know, because blue isn't a thing. Blue is this nebulous concept that like we mostly agree on, but not really, but we only agree on it enough that like, usually we don't end up in a weird conversation with no wrong answer until you end up with, we're not pulling out our Pantone strips to argue over this stuff. Right. Except that, like, you know, I've been professional artist. So, yeah, I have had to pull out a pen. Right, right. Yeah. Like, like I've I've had clients where Mm -hmm. somebody is like, well, I wanted this to be blue. And I was like, yeah, but you wanted it to be blue under red lights and that's going to look purple. And it's like, Mm -hmm. but I don't think so. And it's like, that's not blue. You've used too purple a blue. So I had to go get the Pantone color wheel. It's like, no, this is is what blue is. (laughs) Like, I don't care. Like, that does happen. Mm -hmm. But the real answer is you know pantone's not the right answer because even though yes pantone said i was right the real answer is that the client wanted something even though he called it blue what he meant was he wanted something that i would call green that's Mm -hmm. what he really meant he meant he wanted something that was a greener color than Mm -hmm. what i call blue and he's not wrong that's what Mm -hmm. he meant you know he just doesn't communicate in the same language that i do and i would argue that the same thing you know certain emojis that have jokes like right like everybody knows that people use the eggplant emoji to mean penises now which is great until you really need to talk about eggplant you know (laughs) how do we feel like consensus comes about for why is mav making a penis parmesan what right (laughs) (laughs) like because obviously i think more people if we're going to be like blue and you use the example of the crayon box they're going to think of yeah. the blue that comes in a crayon box that only has 12 crayons. They're not yeah. going to think mm-hmm. of the blue that comes in a 24 crayon box. And so how much of consensus is like one, like the idea of like the original emoji versus the new emoji. But like, mm-hmm. how did we end up with the eggplant? Because I went into uh, Lush like a few weeks ago, which is a like a bath and body product store. Mm-hmm. And they had bath bombs shaped like eggplant emojis. And oh, wow. like that was only ever meant to be like that is not a chicken parmesan eggplant. Do you know what I mean? Like that yeah. is a penis emoji eggplant. That is what that mm-hmm. is supposed yep. to be. What so does it smell how like? How is it? That- <laughs> <laughs> I'm just, that's my first thought. Inter- I, I did not put the penis okay. eggplant emoji close enough to my face to know what it <laughs> smells okay. like. But my question is essentially like, if we can all agree that subcultures are using or subgroups are using things within a common consensus. Yes. How does it transverse from subgroup to this larger popular culture in which the vast majority is using penis eggplant and not chicken Parmesan eggplant? And I think to further complicate matters, we have Unicode who allows for variations in the emoji Mm -hmm. across platforms. 
And so I think that some of the emoji look friendlier, maybe like in an Apple platform mm-hmm. than they do in others. And so that may shape the way meaning is made and conveyed with those two. Yeah, absolutely. I don't like Facebook's implementation of emoji, but I use emoji frequently enough that mm-hmm. I, and I post to Facebook uh, a lot. I post to Twitter a bunch. I post to Facebook a lot, like really a lot. If people who know people who know me and follow me on Facebook, like because Twitter, Twitter limits me to too many characters, whereas I have many a common thought about politics or about teaching that show up on Facebook a lot. So if you don't follow me on Facebook, feel free to. But I use emoji quite frequently. But when I'm writing whatever I'm saying, I'm writing it with MacOS emoji and or iOS emoji and it shows up when you read it, it shows up as Facebook emoji. And I am sometimes disappointed and like that doesn't come convey the complex emotion that I mean to, to mean <laughs> by that eggplant, you know, <laughs> it is a problem. But that said, as I was pointing out, it's also the problem when I say blue, right? It's why poetry exists, right? If mm-hmm. I say that, like, you know, he had eyes of blue, you know, that that doesn't really mean anything, except mm-hmm. that, like, if you tell me somebody has blue eyes, I now have a picture in my head of what blue eyes are yes. that is not the color of the eyes that people have in Dune, right? Like, that is an mm-hmm. artificial blue of, right. of what right. blue eyes are, right? So when I see somebody make a movie of Dune, you know, and they have that chroma key technicolor eyes. Mm-hmm. That's not what I picture when, you know, when I read blue eyes, right? Like I, mm-hmm. like I don't, I mean, I'm old. I, I that's not Frank Sinatra eyes, right? <laughs> like, right, like, right. like Sinatra eyes are blue eyes, right? So can so, I ask how much of this do we feel like is a semiotics thing versus a rhetoric thing? Because we are still talking about something that is like visual. And when I hear us talk about blue, like there's, like a spectrum of blue, but I also feel like with emojis, maybe it's a little bit more concrete because we are looking at like distinct pictures. And Mm -hmm. I think about like, especially as someone who's done a lot of like superhero work, like you can Mm -hmm. only change a superhero logo so, so much before it no longer feels like Uh it's still Spider-Man or something. Mm. Punisher this week. Right. So how much of this is a question of semiotics versus rhetoric because we are dealing with images? 204 episodes in, do we need to define what what rhetoric and semiotics means? Because we use those terms a lot, but I don't know that we ever have. We probably have, but it, it's been It could have been 200 so. episodes ago. Yeah. Right, exactly. So I, I think a refresher course is not a bad idea. Okay, well, okay. So what... We'll, we will start with OW. What is rhetoric? What does that mean? Aha, you give me the hard one. Really? <laughs> Where, what was that Supreme Court justice said of obscenity? <laughs> I don't know what it is, but I know but when I, I know see it. When I see it. Yes. Yeah, I know when I Jacob see it. Jacob versus Ohio. So I really don't have a clear answer for that. I'm sorry. Now, semiotics, okay. the study of signs, I got that part. But, okay, well, yeah. <laughs> okay. well, okay. Well, I'll, fine. I'll, t- I'll take the stab at rhetoric. I okay. would say that rhetoric is the study of how we convey a persuasive meaning through speech. Okay. But I mean speech very broadly. I don't necessarily mean talking. I mean the way language. Uh, yeah, language. language. Yeah. Yes. Language. But yeah. like it but is also the kind it is, of not language. Yes. yes it is. <laughs> it's, yeah, because it's not linguistics. Yeah, sure. not linguistics. Yeah. A, a, a great rhetorician, because that one's easier. A great rhetorician mm. is someone who is a, a wonderful orator, someone who is great at speaking and convincing people through their speech. And you know, it is rhetorical thought. It is the nature of meaning through speech, making an argument. 
communicating the ideas in your head is, what, is the way I would say mm-hmm. rhetoric is. And that's why emojis play into it as opposed to semiotics. Mm-hmm. And I'll give you that one then if you want. <laughs> oh yeah, definitely the study of signs and how something represents something else. Icons that they, I've heard emoji referred to as icons. I agree to a certain extent that they are, but I really think that there's so much more than icons. Okay, what do you mean by that? I think, and part of my research is, okay, so let me back up because I've told you all then I teach developmental reading and writing and the way that i came to emoji was that i was in my deved classroom my adult basic education classroom i was minding my own business and i'm teaching my little heart out i'm teaching nouns and verbs and subjects and predicates and <laughs> lo and behold i look and my students are texting to beat the band they are not looking at me they are looking at their phone <laughs> and mm-hmm. so I'm, I'm like, okay, I, if I can't beat them, I guess I might as well join them. And I had students who came from like all walks of life. And so we talk about the ambiguity with the emoji, but the truth of the matter is like we said before with other language, I mean, one word might mean one something in one culture and then it means something else in another. And so I had students from all, you name it, from every part of the world that I could think of. I also had students whose um, first language, of course, was not English. I've mm-hmm. had students who were had previously come from self-contained special education classrooms. And so they were community college and they were in my class. I had students who just didn't read or write well. And so we had to kind of find a common language. And lo and behold, they could all text. And they mm-hmm. were all texting each other and they all understood by large. What the text meant, they just didn't understand me and what I was saying about reading and writing and with, with traditional language. And so I began to develop teaching tools that kind of taught them in this common language. And so mm-hmm. the emoji at that point became not just icons, but they became more, they were a visual rhetoric of sorts and a visual mm-hmm. literacy. And they, they could all read it, they could all write it. And it occurred to me, not only can they read it, not only can they write it, but they understand the pictures and there's something here. And so because of that, I started researching and I have coined, I'm knocking on wood, coined semi-literacy as the, the way that they do that, that they combine mm-hmm. those that, and then they read them and they express meaning with them. Mm-hmm. And I think that we have a way, this is when we get into, you know, the kind of, the kind of cultural theory that I use when mm-hmm. I'm teaching language, we have this way of privileging we'll say grammar and i'm saying this with scare quotes around it because because i know people i have friends who are actual linguists mm-hmm. and like my friend justin who we will have on the show at some point he listens to the show hi justin studies linguistics and he he would point out that or he would very quickly point out that there are people who are always like oh i care about grammar and people who are on on the internet was like, oh, I'm, you know, I'm a grammar Nazi, or I, you know, I care about this. And I went and I've had people who like, how come you spell things wrong? Or how come, you know, I'll use the wrong two sometimes because I'm too lazy to spell check my shit on Facebook. And people are like, you're an English teacher. Don't you care? I'm like, no, I don't care because I'm an English teacher. You mm-hmm. know what I meant. 
because if you didn't know what I mean, you would be compl- you'd be confused. You wouldn't be complaining about it. You're complaining because you've <laughs> noticed that I've used the wrong word, and mm-hmm. by wrong, it's only wrong because you've decided that it's you've decided that it's wrong. Where this ends up happening is you end up with what we call standard written English. But standard mm-hmm. written English is really uh, talk like a 45 year old white man. That is <laughs> a, <laughs> that's what standard dialect. written English means. Yes, yeah. it, is a, it is a very specific. English dialect that we decided to privilege that had really weird mm. rules like you can't split an infinitive. Yes, I can. I can say <laughs> I, I, I absolutely can say I want to quickly run to the store and you know mm-hmm. exactly what I meant when I said that. Sure, mm-hmm. I split an infinitive and you knew what I meant meaning was conveyed. So mm-hmm. what the actual study of linguistics is about is breaking those rules and understanding why those rules came to be mm-hmm. and, and why they're broken. If you move on to cultural theory, what I do, you start studying when does it matter? Why would I privilege standard written English over what we call African-American vernacular English or or often mm-hmm. we will say Ebonics for short, mm-hmm. which, you know, which is quite i mean okay i'm weird in that like i'm this highly educated guy who grew up mm-hmm. super poor so i have like a weird dialect that's like a mix right mm-hmm. unless i'm very specifically trying to talk officially but unless i'm trying <laughs> to do that i like i talk in a weird mix right but that's you know what i mean i host two shows on the internet where people listen and no one's ever confused so it's fine right i but think you also people but not for those reasons for those reasons no <laughs> but but you also have people like you know you have people who speak spanglish and we don't spanglish is incorrect mm-hmm. and it's like no it's not it's just that you might not understand all the nuance because you don't understand right. the particulars of when you use a spanish word and when you use an english word and but like frankly if someone grew up in a bilingual household where they probably understand both english and spanish better than you do if if you don't if you don't speak both of them they just have become comfortable you know shifting between mm-hmm. them and frankly if you listen to people who speak spanglish for you know two minutes you'll pick up on it you'll be all right you know you uh, i mean will you be an expert no but you can follow the conversation and the reason this matters is i can follow an emoji conversation even though i knew monica wasn't using that upside down face to mean what my friend meant I more or less got the gist of what yeah. she was saying by it. Mm-hmm. So it's it's fine. Emojis are a part of language. Well, here, mm-hmm. here in Pittsburgh, where everybody has a grandmother who speaks some, m- yeah, or, or some middle European language, you know, yeah. I mm-hmm. mean, that, that mix here, like everybody grew up in a family. Well, I grew up in Appalachia where you know, it goes back 300 years and all trace of that was gone. Mm-hmm. But, you know, here in this city, the mix of language, I mean, you're talking about Spanglish, but here, the mix of English and whatever, Polish. Your, mm-hmm. yeah, whatever your grandparents happen to be is really very common. Mm-hmm. Um, so, and I, yeah, <laughs> I am from being you know, one of the comics people on the show. I'm interested in that the text image interplay you, you know, with comics, the idea that we use images and words to convey meaning and emojis being mm-hmm. com- comics in some way i'm also mm-hmm. you know the historian in me goes back and says you know if you look at first written language they were symbols hieroglyphics, I, I, mm-hmm. hieroglyphics. You know, i'm drawing a picture of the bull that i own and <laughs> if i have two of them i'll draw and it becomes a symbol there's a circle with two horns on it mm-hmm. and over over time that becomes you know a symbol for a sound and you know you've mm-hmm. probably seen the charts of the the modern bet from ancient Sumerian and Crete and all these places mm-hmm. where the, these symbols, you know, they, they just started out to symbol a specific, to represent mm-hmm. a specific thing, went on to represent a sound, 
Mm-hmm. And then became codified as an alphabet of sorts. And I, I kind of see this as being the same process. Mm-hmm. There's some of that, but then I... So the thing that really interests me is the idea of like how imagery is proliferated or how it changes as it goes across media. Mm. And so I remember a few years ago, I listened to a talk and it was about how sort of the most recognizable symbols in the world are the Coca-Cola polar bear Mm -hmm. and the Disney sort of like Mickey Mouse crew. The mouse ears. Yeah, Yeah, the mouse ears. And the idea that... I bet you Superman Mouse is probably like fourth or fifth. Yeah, (laughs) the the McDonald's logo. These characters were sort of used out of the context of their original advertising, which would have been for Coca-Cola and Disney. Disney. Like Mm -hmm. unofficially for advertising of other products or Mm -hmm. of public health instructions in Mm -hmm. parts of the world where literacy was lower because Mm. the symbols were still incredibly recognizable and it was still the idea of something that you like it it already had a positive association with it and therefore Mm -hmm. they were able to sort of prove that people were more willing to sort of follow the instructions or buy into the marketing because it already had this associated symbol alongside it. So Mm -hmm. I feel like I'm hearing some of that is also feels very relevant. OW, when you were talking about this way that everyone is connecting via common visuals Mm -hmm. or the ability to make meaning and readopt new meaning like and assign new meaning to familiar visuals mm-hmm. the way that you are creating a common language out of yes emoji for everyone yes and i just wanted to say too wayne had a good point and it's interesting that you're a comics person wayne so i'm sure you know dr um, neil khan's work mm-hmm. and he is a comics person and i've had the opportunity to interview him for an upcoming project that uh, we'll be talking about a little bit later <laughs> to, to my surprise, he does not believe that emoji is a language. He, oh, really? So, uh-uh. so I have the opportunity to work with Dr. Marcel Denisi, and he is the guru on all things emoji, emoji studies. And so I was first introduced to emoji through his work. And so I just described what he said, that they are a universal language. And then he did liken them to the hieroglyphics. He likened them to other pictorial languages. And I just thought that was a no-brainer, to be honest. Yeah. And still, I met uh, with Dr. Khan. He said, oh, no, they're not a language. And the reason that they're not a language is because they really don't have a grammar. I hadn't thought of that. Okay. And, mm-hmm. and so his research, he put no textees at all, no just straight emoji. And he said, oh. if you, um, do, like, you, you won't be able to read that. You'll be able to read it for a little bit. But then, you know, it's really not a language. And so I hadn't thought mm-hmm. of that. That's a but tricky that, question. That kind of makes yeah, sense. Yeah, yeah, not a good point. It's a weird definition because we don't, we don't use it. Well, I was going to say, so in the blog, I posted a link to a commercial that ESPN did. And it was mm-hmm. with uh, Coach Krzyzewski, who, for anyone who doesn't know, that's uh, Duke University's basketball coach. And he's also mm-hmm. been the basketball coach for the American team for the Olympics. He's Mm -hmm. about to retire this year. So like he's Mm -hmm. old. And the joke of the commercial is that he's like sitting with his grandkids and he's like, Hey, can you send a text message to one of my players? And the text message is just like 
a thumbs up and a basketball and like <laughs> and, and, you know like it, and it's like a bunch of stupid stuff but like the message that oh. he wants him to send is like when I say stupid what I mean is like it feels like not related because the thing that he mm-hmm. is saying is like I want you to send this very specific message and mm-hmm. the images that mm-hmm. pop up in the commercial are ones in which I I have that same level of like, I wouldn't read that the same. Mm-hmm. That is the reason for me that I watch that commercial and I'm like, ugh, old people trying to explain emojis, it's not working. Like, you know, like, or like ugh, ESPN people trying to be hip, like, oh God. Like, it, it feels very like cringeworthy, but the reason it does, I think, is that thing that you're pointing out of like because it has no grammar it's mm-hmm. not that i couldn't figure it out because it wasn't just like thumbs up basketball hoop because he was mm-hmm. like i want you to say that like your defense was really like mm-hmm. tight and you really kept mm-hmm. it in the paint and like all of these things that don't come from a thumbs up and a basketball and a hoop mm-hmm. And then the mm-hmm. response that he gives back is like, it's like some fire. And then the, the kid like doesn't translate it to say like, oh yeah, cool or fire. Or like he gives like a two sentence like explanation <laughs> that's like very clearly mm-hmm. not there. Like, and so it's the fact that the visual and the language aren't matching up. But when you say that it can't have grammar, it really truly means like to me, like it's that same thing of, I wouldn't actually know how to type out the thing that Coach K is telling his grandson to type mm-hmm. out. Mm-hmm. Right. Mm-hmm. Well, but then we have the question. So uh, Hannah, our co-host, couldn't be here tonight, but she forwarded us a link to a book called Emoji Dick, mm-hmm. which is someone has translated the entirety of the text of Moby Dick yeah. into emojis. And it's readable but it's readable because I know what Moby Dick is supposed to say, right? Like it's readable mm-hmm. if I take the original text and I put it next to it. Mm-hmm. I I probably wouldn't be able to construct it from scratch if I knew only emojis. Mm-hmm. I mean, that said, I, the, the professor you're talking about has a point. Like I don't use emojis that way, right? Like, so mm-hmm. is it a language? It's not a language in the same way that Spanglish isn't a language because there is no universal grammar, right? Like it's a, it is coloring it's a dialect that colors language because most of the time when i'm using emoji i don't really use pictograms like emoji dick what i what i really do is i drop a smiley face or a winky face or you know or a poop emoji or an eggplant or mm-hmm. whatever into a text that i'm saying something else right like i mm-hmm. like I, like i might you know randomly you know drop a winky face to let somebody know i'm being sarcastic and that doesn't stand for any pronounceable word. What it stands for is the body language of, you know, a funny face or a wink that oh. I might make if we were having an in-person conversation. It's a key of I'm being sarcastic, but I would never have really typed that, right? It's just giving mm-hmm. yeah. character well, to my gesture. type. Well, well, yeah, mm-hmm. I mean, the word emoji, I mean, you know, tied in with emotion. You're trying to convey right. a, mm-hmm. an emotion rather than saying what you feel. Mm-hmm. Here's a picture to represent it. Right. It's a cue, but it's a cue. It's a yeah. it's a representation of body language, not real body language and voice inflection. Mm-hmm. Not real. You know, it has meaning, but it has semantic me- meaning, semiotic meaning, connotative meaning, not denotative me- meaning. It's which is which we're getting into weird in the weeds, you know, 
talk of semiotics and but like that's kind of the point right it mm -hmm. is a, it is a sign that means emojis are signs that convey meaning but not deep rich very specific meaning and but i think sometimes they do because the other thing that i've I noticed is too. Yeah. yeah like because you you point out like you are able to do this in your classrooms because of the universality of them even if they're not specific because you're teaching you said you're teaching remedial yes. english and you know that if someone has a poor understanding of grammar because they're just you know not yeah. educated enough in american or maybe they're a native spanish speaker and they're just trying to learn they right. get the rough concept of what a smiley face means you can begin there and i was thinking about i mentioned this in the blog my nephew who is now six and you know can you know he's not completely literate but he can read and write enough to text you now and have a conversation with you over a text chat and he's on our family text group chat from his ipad and has been since he was like three so before he could read if everyone else were having a conversation, he would just randomly drop emojis in because he felt left out. He didn't know what anything was happening, but he would like people would be having a conversation and then there would be him just dumping poop emojis into the conversation because <laughs> he because at three, he didn't know what was going on, but he yeah, knew that not? poop was funny. He knew which why one not? emoji it was. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> and like and so they'd just be in there and like you'd have to acknowledge him eventually because he knows what his name, what his mm -hmm. name looks like. And that's how you get him to stop or he'd like oh. smiley face or whatever thing is. Yeah just funny. being silly there's definite meaning there and mm -hmm. as silly as that is that's how people learn to read not just him i mean yes he's learning to read in the 21st century but like we start everybody with picture yeah, a is for apple that's like a thing that we've done for a hundred years right. right like it's just that's how we teach kids to read when they're two and some people are sight readers they never mm -hmm. read phonetically so i mean they're looking at the semiotic of the letters put together in a certain way in a certain context and that's mm -hmm. the reading just like with emoji mm -hmm. so I mean, I guess, is it a language? I, th I think that's a misleading question because you have to define language. And that's hmm. what I was going to say. That's above my head. I have no linguistic <laughs> faith. I, I, I would love to know the answer to that. I feel like on some level, they are a language. But then again, how do you define language? Yeah, it's, I, I, I think it may be a developing language as well. You know, they, this is mm -hmm. the early states, the hieroglyphics and things we referenced earlier didn't start out with the same meanings as they ended up having. And I mean, do they have a grammar? I don't know anything about hieroglyphics. I know yeah. we're going well, to and it depends on which ones you're talking about. Certainly, yeah. okay. like Egyptian hieroglyphics, Mayan hieroglyphics, mm -hmm. there's a grammar to them, yes. But there are these charts of just, here are symbols that are found on essentially like packing sheets for farms of, this looks like an ear of corn. Well, we're assuming that means three of them mean you have three bushels or, or whatever. Mm -hmm. But those drawings, those symbols over time transformed into a written language. They transformed mm -hmm. from meaning specifically a sheaf of corn to the letter C. I'm not making that up. But you know, that that sort of process over the course mm -hmm. of mm -hmm. hundred, hundreds of years. So that that imagery becoming written language is a long process. And yeah, yeah. I don't think emojis are gonna become well, the replacement written no. language by no. you know Well the, I think the pushback though is like when you say is it a language, like He's answering as a linguist. Linguistically, no, it has no grammar and right, that, right. that hurts it, right? Yeah. But mm -hmm. Wayne, as someone who's done comics on some level or another for 40 something years, right? Mm -hmm. Like, I mean, worked in them, like literally drawn and written comics. 
mm-hmm. we would constantly say there, that there is a language of comics and we're talking about yeah. pictures. And yeah. everyone who studies comics knows what you mean when you say a language of comics. Scott McCloud wrote three damn books about it, right? Yeah. Like it's, well, like, and <laughs> with, within comics, there's the phrase that I, I forget who made it up. Someone in comics made it up, Emanata, which yeah. are the symbols mm-hmm. that are used in comics. There's someone who is standing there and you see like water drops coming off, off their face because they're nervous mm-hmm. or yeah. you know, the spider, <laughs> the, the tingling spider sense. You know, yeah, the, these, 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 they don't right. exist. They're, they don't mean to imply these exist in the real world. They're for the very concept of a word balloon. So there's visual language. Yeah. And then, but then I'd also say like Monica, like fashion doesn't have a grammar per se, but it's absolutely a language. Roland Bart wrote a book about it called, you know, like, like yeah. or in, like, lots of people, yeah. lots of people are there. Like, there's a language to, to clothing. There's a, like, yes, there, I, I think it's complicated to say is yes. something a language or not. I think that is a complex question. I do too. That, I, like, I don't think it just answer yes or no to. I want to ask maybe, is it more that it's a dialect? And the reason that I <laughs> feel like I would lean that way is I feel like emojis are policed. Like there, there is this weird, like, oh, you shouldn't use too many emojis in a conversation. <laughs> mm-hmm. And because mm-hmm. that is going to make you look. And, and the reason I thought of that is actually because you're when you brought up like fashion is this thing where it's like, oh, well, like if you care too much about it, if you engage too much with the language of fashion, then you somehow become like like flighty or superficial or feminine and (laughs) and there's the same sort of like if you use too many emojis like you could be seen as feminine or dumb or juvenile juvenile or Mm -hmm. any number of these things in which i also feel like when we talk about dialects there's a lot of policing and politics about the ways in which dialects are or are not allowed to be used so i think that's is maybe why I would lean in that or that method of inquiry. Mm-hmm. It was, and you said it becomes almost, oh, are you being juvenile? Are you being feminine by being, well, what's wrong with being juvenile or being feminine? Like you're, okay, so like you're right. saying what, I'm not a person because mm-hmm. I'm a woman. I'm not a person because I'm 12. 12 year olds are people, women are people. If mm-hmm. the same thing happens with you, you know, you cannot use Ebonics in polite speech. Why? Oh. Because I'm black? I mean, I'm sorry, I'm black. I was born this way. That's how I, you know, like, like this is part of how I speak. That's exactly. going to be, uh, that's going to be a thing. Now, again, that said, I've, I've, I mentioned this in a talk that I gave at the university I worked for. We had, a, we had a talk where we were talking about the ways in which we police language in a classroom that I gave, where I pointed out that one of the weird things about my job is as someone responsible for teaching freshman comp, who also studies cultural studies for a living, who is also black, I am very aware that what I'm actually doing is teaching people to speak like 40 year old white men from 1978. <laughs> like that's mm-hmm. what I'm doing. Right. Like I, like when I'm mm-hmm. saying, when I'm saying, here's the right thing to do, here's the, every lesson that I give is here's the right way to write so that you are working within the academic discourse community. That's how we would phrase it. If I was being very mm-hmm. official. But like the reason that it's the academic discourse community, the language of the academic discourse community is that, and I'm not joking, I am not exaggerating, this was decided by a handful of white men who are all dead now 80 years ago. Like that's mm-hmm. <laughs> like they're like, it's just 
someone made an, a decision that, you know, we will not use ain't. We will not split infinitives. Um, Strunk mm -hmm. and White, the, the Elements of Style, which is this grammar book that everyone like writes to as this gold standard that's horribly outdated. Strunk and White and Elements of Style are just these rules for proper grammar that who the hell are Strunk and White? Why can't the Elements of Style <laughs> be written by, you know, why can't the Elements of Style be written by Flavor Flav? They could be. <laughs> they, like, they, they, you know, like, why not? Like, who said, I mean, I'm, I, and I pick somebody that, like, you laugh as though it's ridiculous, but, mm -hmm. like, Flav is a very successful man who's had a career as a rapper for going on 40 years now, you so, know? And I know what he's talking about. <laughs> yeah. So like the reason he's a joke is because he doesn't talk like, like Strunk and White, but that's just an arbitrary decision, right? Like he's clearly, and you know, will, because it's Ebonics, because Flavor Flav talks and rhyme, but he's a, he's a poet, right? Like he's a rapper, yes. but he's a, he's effectively a poet. And if we wanted to be more sophisticated, we would point to a Maya Angelou, you know, mm -hmm. and go, okay, well, Maya Angelou, she was sophisticated. Well, no, she was someone that we randomly decided it was okay to look at her American vernacular, but not Flav's. Mm -hmm. We just decided that one day, but it was a relatively arbitrary decision, which is not to say that I don't enjoy the work of Maya Angelou. I certainly did, but mm -hmm. I also enjoy the work of Flav. So like, mm -hmm. And I think that the same thing is true of emojis, right? Like we're doing this thing. Oh, that we, the society is doing this thing of people are complaining. The kids are doing this today. You can't understand them. And I was like, well, first off, who cares if you can understand them or not, old person? You know, if you can't understand, then maybe you're not supposed to. But also, like, I, I just, I don't really believe it. If you're saying you can't understand something because it's got emojis in it, then I don't question the intelligence of the person who wrote it. I, I question your intelligence as a reader mm -hmm. <laughs> like, because I, because mm -hmm. I can understand it fine. So like, that's mm -hmm. why are we doing this other than the fact that we're perpetuating this idea that, you know, sophisticated people wouldn't, sophisticated people wouldn't read comics. Sophisticated mm -hmm. people wouldn't talk with emojis. That's what we're doing. Mm -hmm. But we do. Yeah. There's four of us. On this podcast <laughs> right now, who I would argue to be sophisticated, who have also chose to dedicate the thing that we want to, like, analyze to be mm -hmm. comics and emoji. And yeah. there's hope on the horizon. We just recently got a book contracted through Cambridge for emoji and education from a healthcare-based perspective. I was floored. <laughs> um, I thought, okay, we're making progress here. If Cambridge says we're good, there again, those what few white men in the room, then we're good. Which is weird. And again, we're also people who have decided to make a living in academia to, you know, so I'm disparaging it, but I'm also <laughs> half-heartedly sort of recognizing the value in it as well. But I think the value in what OW is doing is you are trying to break that stigma, right? Like, is that yes. fair? Like, you're, like, like, there's a logic to it that you are recognizing. And rather than saying this is wrong, which I think is what where we start, mm -hmm. you know, that's where the why, that's where why can't Johnny Wright started, right? This mm -hmm. is wrong. How can we fix the kids to make them write the way that we want them to? You even said, you're not trying to fix them. Mm -hmm. You said, look, they're all texting. So let me figure this out. If they, you know, clearly they're communicating with each other. I'm the mm -hmm. one who's on the outs. So how do we bring this together? And I think that recognition matters. Mm -hmm. I mean, that's why that's how we got people to accept teaching with comics. Right, Wayne? Like, yes. so I think, yeah. yeah, so so I think that the acceptance you said you have a book contract, that's 
that acceptance is happening? Yes, mm-hmm. and I'm excited about that. Yeah, the emoji kind of serve as scaffolding so that if they could make the alphabetic connections to, and it's always those descriptive words, the difference between the smiley face and then this maybe, the, or the tears with joy versus the um, one that's smiling, but it's kind of tilted in an angle. Yeah, what's the difference between those, the superlatives, you know, that sort of thing. To be able to teach those and to uh, have them to associate language with those minor changes. And it's very rewarding when they can finally put a word with that particular emoji. They have really, you can see that they feel good a lot of times because they've gained a word, they've gained language and things that we take for granted, you know, just being able Mm -hmm. to come up with that word when you don't have it. I mean, it's really hard. I've never lived in a country outside the United States. And so I've only known English. But if somebody dropped me in another country where I had to speak another language, I would just be, I wouldn't make it. You know, I yeah, wouldn't know what to do. Don't, don't, don't order the eggplant. Don't yeah, order don't the eggplant. <laughs> <laughs> the eggplant, no. But that's, <laughs> that's so interesting, that's, too, because, I mean, we started this whole discussion by basically talking about how, like, even we're struggling to figure out what word or what emotion to give Mm -hmm. to a particular emoji. So Mm -hmm. particularly like a universal skill that's being learned, right? Because it's not just teaching emoji. Like it's not like it's a is for Apple. Like it is the ability to think critically through all of the different meanings that something could have. And that itself is very interesting. But it's one of those things where I think people notice it when they're trying to be pedantic, right? Like people who, who are correcting grammar are often doing so because they're trying to make themselves seem smart, right? Like when Monica used that emoji, I said, I knew what she meant. I was being a smart ass by questioning it, right? And also proposing it as a possible topic for our show. So there's a little bit of it. So like, for the, but for the most part, like we understand it or it mostly doesn't matter. And I was thinking about, I took a class on composition theory years ago where we talked about some of the weirdness of the way the English language works. In English, we have an understood but never taught idea, a hierarchy for adjectives. What do I mean by that? Mm -hmm. I mean that if I'm saying here are three ripe red tomatoes, Mm -hmm. that's the order that I put it in. If I say here are red, ripe, three tomatoes, it sounds wrong. And they're just adjectives. All of them are modifying tomatoes. Grammatically, there's nothing wrong with saying here are red, ripe, three tomatoes. That's Mm -hmm. not grammatically wrong. But if you're listening to this show right now, you're going, it sounds weird. (laughs) And, And it's an impossible and it's an impossible thing to teach someone who's not a native English speaker. I mean, you can, but it's super hard because there's no concept of here's how you learn it. It's just something you sort of vaguely figure out when you're two, like Mm -hmm. as a a native speaker, but different languages, some languages put numbers early, some languages put numbers late in the, and, and it's just one of those things that like you sort of, work out and it becomes natural and another one is trying to explain trying to explain the difference between in and on and means of travel mm-hmm. i get i get on a bus i get in a car why mm-hmm. i don't know why and, and no one would ever get on a car if i'm on a car that means i'm riding on top of it and, uh-huh. and so so you'll start you try to explain it. it's like well no you get on a surfboard or it's like on top of something ends inside of it except for like not really because 
I like I get on a boat even when I'm inside the boat. I get mm-hmm. <laughs> you know I, for a plane. You, you get on a horse when you're inside the. No, <laughs> yeah, yeah, none of it. None of it makes sense. And it, it's and they're really weird rules. But I think that people assume that language is more standard than it really is. In doing and making that assumption, you're really sort of privileging native speakers yes. of your lang- of your language in a way that's unfair. And I think that. I think that realistically, if you've grown up in a world with texting, you're more, you know, you're more a native speaker of emojis than mm. I, I was born in 1974. I, I'm not I, right. Like, yeah, like yeah. I, I agree. Yeah, yeah, I agree. Yeah, I'm going to go into the weeds a bit here. This might be too late in the episode to do this. But when we were first talking about the show, I was reading a, a book. And I ran across a quote that I found interesting about emojis. And this is just way up in my world of interest and things. So this might be way out there, but I want to at least bring it up as, a, as an idea. Mm-hmm. The beat poet, William Burroughs, mm-hmm. thought of language as a virus. And what he meant by that was the idea that we are all programmed by the language we speak. And this gets into the whole, what is proper language? The, the strong and mm-hmm. white element style versus any other means of... So, you know, we're programmed. That is what is proper English. And that's what you speak in proper settings. And these other things don't work. So part of his goal as a writer was to use his words, wage war on language uh, and knowing that such thing was ultimately impossible. And he was a, a big fan of the cut up technique, which was originally developed by someone by the name of Byron Geitzen. And it's essentially, it's refrigerator magnets. It's you pull out a newspaper or something, or you write a poem, you cut it up and you rearrange the words to take away the original meaning, but mm-hmm. to try to find new meanings. And I come to this through Bowie, who was a, a big fan of this, used that technique a lot in his songwriting, particularly in the mid seventies. He used that technique and mountains of cocaine. So, you know, but he also, he conti- continued to use it off and on for the rest of his career. And his final album, Black Star, the logo on Black Star, he he hired a, a graphic designer who put together a new alphabet. Basically, he took the image of a black star, just classic star symbol black, and cut it up into different forms and created and assigned these different forms to letters of the alphabet. So mm-hmm. on the bottom of the Black Star album, it says Bowie in these, to lack of another phrase, you know, hieroglyphics, emojis symbols that he created and the uh, the graphic designer was on his name here david barnbrook yeah david barnbrook so he said the the quote i read is barnbrook says he goes recently i got to meet william burroughs when i was a student and i asked him about the future of typography he told me it's in between pictograms and egyptian hieroglyphics he (laughs) basically predicted emojis wow our approach to Black Star was sort of like an emoji, but more serious. Also a bit like the monolith in 2001. It had to be beyond language. Mm-hmm. So the idea of using these symbols to represent something that cannot be fully represented by a word, mm-hmm. something that here's a symbol that you just look at and it conveys meaning more than a single word would do. Mm-hmm. But there's still that sense of mystery, that, that idea of the monolith. Uh, from 2001 you it's there's still something mysterious about it there there is there's implied meaning and debatable Mm -hmm. meaning to these things Mm -hmm. and i just like i read that like two days after we had the text conversation about this episode it was like 
I want to bring that up. I don't know. <laughs> I don't know why. So the Black Star language, I mean, in a way, it's is it really a language? No, it's more of a font, right? Because because he is mm. still just writing stuff in English. And right. similar, the X-Men comic books are currently doing that as well. They've come up with a language Krakoan, which is really just sort of a, yeah. a yeah. substitution cipher, which is also a little different. But I, I think I think that what ends up happening is the question with emojis is and why I think it becomes interesting to people is we are very much calling attention to failings of of assumed universal language that people mm-hmm. have had for a long time. I said in, in the blog, my mom first showed me a typewriter when I was like two years old. I was like, oh my God, type me a picture. That was like, a, and my mom was like, you can't really type pictures. That's not how it works. Well, ha, now you can, right? Like, this yeah. is, <laughs> like, like, you know, time, it just took 40 something years, 46 so years, but like time proved me right, you know? So, but ma'am, you could have anyway with wing things. <laughs> yeah. Not when I, not in 1976. Oh, okay. <laughs> <laughs> there, was, there, there, there was no, yeah, there were no wing wingdings when it was on that typewriter. But that's kind of, that's kind of the problem, right? Like you sort of, we have gotten to a point where we assumed that there was universal meaning in language for so mm-hmm. long and fought mm-hmm. for it for so long when it wasn't really there but like now everyone's using them right mm-hmm. like 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 my mother uses emojis and she's in her 60s and her brother my uncle is um, in his 70s and he knows what emojis mean right like they are they're a universal part of language now that he might not use as many of them as you know my nine-year-old niece but but they are still in common use right Mm -hmm. so i i I just think that i think that what they're doing is they're making people reconsider how language works even if they're uncomfortable with it and i think that's a good thing i think (laughs) (laughs) i i I mean i certainly i think that because why I became an academic, right? But I think that it's a good thing that regular people are thinking about it. Like there was enough so that people were sort of interested in this topic when we proposed it. So, ma'am, I want to circle back to something that Wayne said at the beginning of his last comments, and I don't remember who he said it, but someone said that language is like a virus. William Burroughs, Uh, who is, uh, yeah. So, so follow my logic on this, then is it possible that emoji is like, has reached pandemic stage? And it has different different variants all over the place. And that's why, yeah, I'm loving it. I'm loving it. I can Mm. see possibilities there. Yeah. I think (laughs) that's viable. I think that's extremely viable. (laughs) (laughs) I I mean, because it really is, you know, randomly constantly mutating but like that's how you know we've all learned about epidemiology way more than Mm -hmm. we want to last these last two years but like i mean the emoji i mean the first one being typed you know the the smiley face being typed at carnegie mellon here in pittsburgh colon minus parentheses yes right exactly Mm -hmm. and how that has become actual drawings and whatnot but even that smiley face Mm -hmm. i mean there's that thing that mcleod talks about in understanding comics just that as humans we see faces in everything you know we look Mm -hmm. at the electrical outlet but you know the smiley face symbol you know from the early 1970s mm-hmm. was just you know, the proliferation of that would that even have been you know, would the person at Carnegie Mellon have thought to type that without having the, the without smi- having yeah. that without having the smiley face have a nice day smiley face. yeah mm-hmm. yeah um, mm-hmm. so just the way all of these things mutate and change and I, you know, I guess some of that's what I was talking about with 
not hieroglyphics very specifically referred to. Mm -hmm. I mean, there is a language there, but those early symbols that mutated mm -hmm. into cave drawings, language, mm -hmm. cave drawings. Mm -hmm. I, I say in my class, my, my comics class, when just as an introduction to this stuff, the idea of, you know, pictures that tell stories. And in some ways, our alphabet is, you know, an A is a picture of a sound. Yes. Right. Mm -hmm. So, mm -hmm. so all written language are comics, if you think of it that way. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. Yeah, it, 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 they are all pictures that tell stories. Mm -hmm. so, so we resolve nothing. nothing. I, would, I, would say, <laughs> I don't know if we resolve nothing. We have decided that emojis are a pandemic. <laughs> but a good pandemic? Yeah, a good, a good pandemic. pandemic. Yeah. Okay, that's, hmm. I, I mean, I think there's a lot to that and i think it's i don't think we resolved anything because i still don't have answers other than i think that i think it's interesting to think about and um, and i think it's an ongoing development mm -hmm. you know, i mean we're this is still happening so right. any answers we come up with today will be outdated yes. in the next wave of emojis which is but i mean that's why OW gets to study it. Right. Yeah, <laughs> right, like, right. I only have to think about this for for an hour on a podcast. You, 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 get, you get to write a dissertation, so you know. Good oh, luck. Good luck. <laughs> thank you for joining us. Yeah. Thank, thank you. Great. This has been fun. Oh my god, this has been fun. Yeah. This has been an absolutely um, fascinating conversation. So. Yeah. Yeah. Where can people find out more about your work or what you're doing or follow you or anything like that? What do you want to plug? OK, so I'm going to plug our upcoming book simply because I don't tweet or quack or cluck or do. Any of that. <laughs> uh, <laughs> I have a Facebook page, but nobody's interested in seeing my Coca-Cola collection. So that's that. <laughs> so I'll instead I'll plug the book. We absolutely coming to a bookstore near you, but hopefully pretty soon. Emoji in education and healthcare based <laughs> perspective. It is a Cambridge University Press publication. I am the lead author, along with Dr. Jay Palaganas and Dr. Marcel Denese. And so we will be looking at emoji in education, but then specifically used in a healthcare worker training type situation. Very cool. Very yep. cool. And congratulations on the book. That's awesome. Yes. Thank you all so much for having mm. me. I appreciate it. Absolutely. Come back again. And in the meantime, Monica Marvelous. You know, for anyone in LA, I've been hard at work on a museum exhibit that opens March 15th down at the FITM Museum. It is coinciding with the art of motion picture costume design. It is the 30th exhibition of the art of costume design and it'd be cool if you checked it out and told me what you think and wayne cool. nice oh. i get nothing new <laughs> <laughs> i yeah, yeah all the regular places that we hype here every week you can look at any of the blogs and that stuff is linked so yeah, yeah I, I don't have a job i'm allowed to talk about anymore so <laughs> <laughs> Yeah, it's hard. You can follow me on Twitter or Instagram or Facebook, all of the places, always at Chris Maverick. You can follow the show, all those same places, at Vox Popcast. You can follow the show's blog at www.voxpopcast.com, where you can check and you can find out what we're talking about next week, which I think is Batman, but I'm not sure. I lose track. But like, so you don't use track. You should just follow the blog. Follow us there or on Facebook or Twitter and leave us comments so that we know your thoughts so that we can include 
include them when we talk on the show. We've got a lot to talk about next week. You know, it's a very in-depth Batman discussion. There's a lot to go over. And we're going to see the movie, I think. I'm going to try to see the movie. Yeah, I, I don't know if I'll see it before then or not, but I, I know a little bit about Batman. So. I've, yeah, I've, I, I have heard about him before. Um, <laughs> I've read a story or two. O.W., once again, thank you for joining us. This yes, has been thank fun. you. This has been fun and informative, so thank you for joining us. Thank you all so much. I would like to thank Maximilian of Thoughtform Music for our epic theme song, building ever so more epically and playing us out. I'd like to thank you at home for listening, and we'll see you next time. Goodbye. Goodbye. Bye.